morning. It's uh, good to be back. And you're probably saying back. I, I don't even know who you are. So my name is Paul Klewitter and a member of the Telford Church, but have lived in France for 31 years. And so I'm back in the States, but also back here a journey. It was long, long, long ago when Tony Osmo was still pastor of the church, and you were meeting in a school somewhere. I forget where, but... And uh, so, and at that time, uh, I was the, uh, the Europe director for Grace Brethren International Missions, and maybe we can get that up there, just to show you. There we go. Yeah, and uh, Grace Brethren International Missions was a church-planting mission. Okay, that mission has now changed names. It's called Encompass World Partners. I'm the, uh, the church planning director for Encompass. And we've also uh, changed uh, the way we describe our mission. Okay, it's now a disciple-making mission. All right. And so here you can see where, uh, whoops, that should have gone the other way. There we go. Yeah, so uh, my teammates around the world, you know, and so they, they asked me, well, does, does that mean that we no longer plant churches? Are we just making disciples? Okay, and I thought, well, that's a good question. And so, for when there's a good question, it's uh, always, always wise to go back to Scripture and take a look and to try to find an answer. And so, uh, I did a study on just the word disciple, disciple-making mission. So, uh, you know, what's a disciple? And so this morning, we're going to take a look at that. You know, I, I just went through the Gospels, through the book of Acts. And um, what I found there was uh, very, very helpful to me, yes, to answer my uh, teammates, but also because, uh, you know, I want to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's important to me because of these people. These are my kids. And I want to help them be good disciples of Christ. So my son, Philip, he's a jazz musician. He plays the upright bass. And he wants to be salt and light in the arts community. My daughter, she's our MBA techie. Uh, she works for a Christian humanitarian group. And so she's doing good in the world in the name of Jesus. And I want to help them to be good disciples. And those of you who have kids, you know, I know you can identify with that. I think probably most of you here, you want to be disciples of Christ, deep, rich with him. And maybe some of you here, you're not sure what a disciple is. Maybe you're investigating Jesus. Well, I think this will help you too, to find out a little bit more of who Jesus is and get a taste of what it's like to journey with him. So we're going to take a look at this word disciples. And we'll see that theologically, okay, Jesus' command to make disciples extends through pre-conversion, so before somebody even knows Jesus, through multiplicative church planting, churches that plant churches, all right? And concretely, we're going to see that uh, disciple-making means spending time, because I'm going to make some jumps here, all right? And we'll be at the life group this afternoon and have a chance to debrief and uh, maybe talk some more. But uh, disciple-making means spending time loving people before they're believers, and that you as a community of disciples... You want to be a, a generous, free sample of God's love to your surrounding community. Warrington, Hatboro, 
beyond. So, I'm going to take a look at some of the facets of this command to make disciples. And just some key words, follow faith, faithful, fruitful, fellowship, fertile, <laughs> uh, lots of Fs. And um, along the way, I'm going to share a little bit about my world, too, so I'll give you a glimpse into uh, to France and some other places. How about we pray? Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you called us. Thank you that you've given us the privilege of following you. And I pray that uh, we would be good disciples. And I pray that you would use us to help others discover how wonderful you are. So we pray that you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, meaning of the word disciple. Now, it's often, in, in Greek culture, you know, it, it's often used, it was often used in the connection with a teacher. So the disciple of Socrates, of Plato, of Aristotle. In scripture, we see disciples of John the baptizer, disciples of Jesus, okay? And so a disciple is essentially a pupil. It's a, an apprentice in a trade, medicine, philosophy, things like that. Um, this, uh, this cartoon, so I had an intern from the Geneva Bible Institute and who is now the pastor of our church. Uh, 18 years later, we've been uh, serving together, following Jesus together. And so when he came as intern, he gave me this comic book. It's a French comic book. Uh, and the, the bearded guy, his name is Leonardo. And he's the wise sage, you know. And then his uh, poor disciple, his apprentice, and his name is Simple. Okay, so, and you kind of get the picture. And so, but that's the, that's the way it was. There was, the, uh, there was the, the, the master and the teacher, and then the followers, the ones who were the students. And the idea behind uh, discipleship, it was the apprentice was to learn what the teacher had to offer and to be able to practice it in every situation. Okay, so it's not just, it's not just staying up here, but it's got it's to go through here and out to here. So to learn what the teacher has to offer and then to be able to practice it in every situation, that's a whole lot harder than just reading a book or watching a video. And so, just as Jesus said, everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. It's a big agenda. All right, first key word, follow. So, Jesus called people to follow him. And to follow one's master is really the chief activity of a disciple. Okay, that's the main thing. So let's just get that in our heads. We're following Jesus. And the idea is the, uh, the, the person who's walking in one direction and hears Jesus' call and he turns around to follow Jesus. All right? So it's, it's, a, it's a change of direction. It's a change of orientation. And... Um, the, the positive response to that call means redirecting, yeah, their path and really their life, okay, to follow Jesus, to obey his directive. So, example, Priscilla is a, friend of, uh, a good friend of my daughter's. She's part of our church planting team. And Priscilla, just to give you a little bit of her story, when she was in high school, she was a punk, all right? And as being a punk, sometimes she lived out in the streets. Uh, you know, she had a rat, a pet rat. You know, she did the whole thing. And um, little by little, Priscilla was less and less happy and content with her life as a punk because, you know, if, it, it's kind of scary sometimes, 
living out in the street and some of the people she was hanging out with. And, you know, and her parents were believers, and she remembered one of the verses that they taught her when she was a little girl. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, said whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And she, she remembered that verse, and she took that as a call from God, and so she decided to, to leave her life as a punk and to turn around and follow that voice. To, to follow Jesus, and she's doing that today. So she, she served in our Fair Trade Cafe. Again, she's part of our church planting team, and she just really, really loves Jesus. She's a follower of him. And so, you know, we're walking in one direction. We hear his voice. We turn around to follow Jesus, and it doesn't stop there, okay? We're going to keep going through the book of John, and these followers need to have faith, okay? Now, there's a story in the Gospel of John, and most of these, and most of these references are going to be through uh, John and, and Acts, but the story, Jesus, Jesus says something pretty hard to understand. It's pretty strange, actually. And so I'll read it for you. This is in John 6. I'm going to start in verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoa. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is a bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. With many of his disciples, okay, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. There are some people there, they were called disciples, they were following him, but they didn't believe in him yet. All right? There are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back. Okay, these people, they hadn't placed their faith in him, and they were following him, but they, they said, no, I hear your voice, and I'm not going to follow you. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see the difference? Discipleship starts in following Jesus, but it, it doesn't just stop there. It's not because, you know, he was a great speaker and, you know, kind of an intriguing, inspiring person. But 
They needed to go farther and believe in him, place their faith in him, just like Peter did. And the, the thing is, I mean, listen to Peter's words because he's, he's really saying something like this. Lord, we have absolutely no idea what you're talking about either. They didn't, they didn't get it. They, they heard this eating flesh and drinking blood, and they went, yuck. What, what are you talking about? This is disgusting. And Peter, no intellectual there, is probably thinking, well, I don't know what he's talking about either. But what I do know, what I do know is that you have the words of eternal life, and we want to continue on if you'll have us. He placed his trust his confidence in Jesus, even when he didn't understand what he was saying, even when he didn't understand what he was doing. That's faith. That's trust. That's confidence. This guy, his name's Remy. Remy. And uh, he, he started coming to the, we have a fair trade cafe in Dijon. Okay, and um, so just, just this past year, he started coming out to the cafe. He's got some motor problems, you know, so his body doesn't always do what, uh, you know, his head wants it to do. And uh, so you can imagine somebody like that, maybe not always accepted in society and things, but he came to the cafe and people accepted him. And uh, so he actually started serving there because we have volunteers. And not everybody who uh, serves there is a believer, you know, but he was talking with believers and he was intrigued. And so he started to follow up on that and uh, came out to some church activities um, with the, the Dijon North Assembly. That's um, uh, our church plant. You know, we had uh, our, our messages like this are more discussion, you know, so we ask questions and things like that. And he was there the one night and uh, just started asking questions. I thought, whoa. His body might not always work the way he wants to, but this guy is sharp. He was, he was asking astute questions, and you know, he was understanding Scripture. Well, long story short, Remy placed his faith in Christ just a few months ago. And so he is now trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of his sins. He's trusting Jesus to give him, he has trusted Jesus to give him new life. And once again, it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't stop with following in faith. But, you know, my wife, okay, she says hi. And um, so, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus. You know, she's trusted him to forgive her, to give her new life. But uh, she's suffering physically right now. About a year and a half ago, open heart surgery. Ever since, chronic migraines, chronic fatigue, uh, muscle pain, uh, numbness, you know, just, and, and to the point where, as a believer, she was starting to ask questions about God. Is he really good? Does he really love me? Believers ask those kind of questions, too. And she's come out the other side. You know, yes, he is good. Yes, he does love me. No, I don't understand what he's doing. I still feel lousy. And it, it's, it's troubling because, you know, she, she was a gymnast and she was a classical pianist and, you know, always really active and she just can't do those things anymore. And so now she's trying to figure out, okay, so, so if I can't do that, how do I serve God? And so uh, he's also given her a, a bright mind and she's a deep thinker. She expresses herself well, so she started up a blog. She wrote some articles for this book uh, that she was actually the editor of the book. Missional Mosaic, working toward a robust theology of women. And you can get it on Amazon.com for the low, low price of $9.99. Just type in the words, Missional Mosaic or Worth Project. And it'll pop to the top of the list. It's a good book. 
And uh, so now she's actually writing her own book, a devotional. And so she's trying to figure out, yeah, okay, so God is good. I don't understand what he's doing, but I do want to be faithful. And that's the next part because, once again, we're working through. We see in, in John, disciples follow. They place their faith in him, and he says, we need to be faithful. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, okay, you see, follow faith. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And so now he's saying, yeah, you trust in me. Now be faithful. Here's what I say. Do it. Be faithful to Jesus' teaching. And in doing that, then we bear fruit. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And a, a, a true disciple is one who loves. Okay, so fruit, fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, and it continues on. I'm not going to tell you the rest because I'm going to quiz you later. But uh, a, a true disciple of Jesus is one who loves, who bears fruit. Love is the mark by which unbelievers will identify a true disciple of Christ. All right, you're going to do word association. You ever done this? I say a word, and then you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready? Breakfast. Eggs. No, you're all wrong. It's croissant. Yeah, that's, that's what breakfast is in our, you know, our part of the world. I told you I was going to take you over to France. So, Dijon. Mustard. Okay, we're on the same. Okay, now we're, now we're in sync. All right, sport. Soccer. Okay, thank you, Jim. Because, you know, somebody said football, and I was going to ask, is this the kind of football that you play with your hands or actually play with your feet? All right, yeah, so football in my world is, is soccer. Play football with our feet, all right? Uh, okay, you ready for this one? Democrat. Uh, okay, everybody's a little bit... <laughs> not, not too sure we want to go there. Yeah, okay, so Republican, that's a safe, uh, safe response. Uh, evangelical. Christian, okay. Now, not... You, you walk out of these doors and not everybody's going to have that, uh, that same response, Christian, uh, because evangelicals are known for many, many things, all right? Brother-in-law lives out in the Seattle area. He, uh, going to work, he passes a large evangelical church going to work every day. And all he knows about those people is what they oppose, what they stand against. I went on their website and I looked and I mean, it's like right there on the website. Um, you know, we know what, what they oppose, but we're not real sure what they stand for. And so in a word association, he might, when he hears evangelical, he might say harsh, surly. Others might say hateful, ouch. See, the whole of the disciples' life, and that includes our words, is witness. Right? And our attitudes speak more loudly than our words. Peter, he says this, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's attitude. Okay, Paul, he says it this way. 
And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. That includes people who don't follow Jesus, who aren't part of your church, who aren't part of the church. Must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So does this apply to politics? What you think about immigrants, uh, hot topics like that? Yes. Kind, patient, gentle. God may, here's why. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And so, you know, this attitude comes through and it, God uses that because our desire is not necessarily to win the battle, but to win the person. All right, here's the quiz. Name the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, There are nine of them. <laughs> I think we got them all. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right? And so, in it, yeah, once again, patience, gentleness, that's, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and those are the things that should be demonstrated by Jesus' disciples and demonstrated when we're speaking with detractors, okay, the ones who don't agree with us. And they're also to be demonstrated when we're here as family. In our defense of the truth, if we are quarrelsome, if we are harsh, if it's presented without patience, gentleness, and respect, we've missed the mark. And it's time to repent of that and to pray for patience, gentleness, and a respectful attitude. All right, so I've got a friend. His name is Fred, over in France. He's a former anarchist, all right, a real one. Okay, so no law, pretty much against everything and everybody. He came to know Jesus. It's an amazing thing. He's brilliant, too. He loves philosophy. He likes to debate. And so one time he was leading a Bible study at the university group, and kind of, you know, it's very much in character for him. He just started off with provocation. You know, he, he kind of launched into it to pick a fight, you know, about a topic. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit French, kind of get the, get the thing going and, and things like that. But, you know, like he, he then ended up sort of like a pit bull. He just wouldn't let go. And uh, afterward, we debriefed. I said, you know, Fred, the point isn't always to win the argument. Well, he looked at me. He, uh, incredulity, just like glared at me. <laughs> I'm here to win, all right? But we want to win the person. But for him, the truth must prevail. He was kind of like a Templar knight, you know. He was just going to hack anybody down with, with the truth. And, but as believers... You know, yeah, we, we, we are for the truth. We want to teach the truth and that with gentleness and respect. Paul says the goal is not necessarily to win the debate or prove the point, but through patience, gentleness, respect, lead people to repentance. And that attitude speaks louder than our words. He calls us to love our enemies. Remember, we used to be his enemies. 
to love our enemies just the way he does. And that too requires prayer and the work of the Spirit because we can't do that on our own. Gentleness, patience, love are fruit of the Spirit. Because, you know, so love, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And Peter, he's, he's describing Jesus, okay, to somebody who didn't know him. His name was Cornelius. He was a Roman. And to, so Peter says, well, Jesus loved people, so he went about doing good, for God was with him. And this is how Jesus was showing his love. He went around doing good, and God was with him. And so as we follow Jesus' example, we too want to do good. We want to do good for people who do not yet believe. Okay, so mentioned the Fair Trade Cafe. And I, one way that I could do good, you know, I used to have a, uh, had it for like five years, a guitar workshop. I like to play guitar. And uh, good guitar playing, by the way. At the cafe, what goes through our mind and what we work off of is that we want to live and speak in ways that cause people to ask the question, why are you doing this? And so, you know, I, I started getting that question at the guitar club because you know, this isn't normal to give things away for free. Um, now, you do have to buy a cup of coffee or have to buy a beverage. That's like the, the entry price. And, but well, I, I got interviewed on a local TV station, and they asked me that question. Why are you doing this? Well, you remember Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. So I said, well, you know, my, when I was a kid, my oldest brother, he had a really nice guitar. He lent it to me, and my parents paid so that I could uh, take some guitar lessons, and God gave me some talent. And with receiving all of that, I, I'm, I'm just glad to give back to other people. Okay, you know, we're, we're, we want to be, let's say, provocatively generous, generous in a way that isn't really normal. And that, the cafe and elsewhere, we do with other disciples. Okay, so because we follow Jesus, we place our faith in him, we're being faithful with, with what he's given, we trust him to bear fruit, and we do that in fellowship. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common. Now, it's, it's that phrase, the full number of those who believed. And Luke is going to use it again in, in 6.2. He's, uh, he's going to say the full number of disciples. That, that full number, what it means, it's, it's a plenary meeting. So think of your annual business meeting or e even this. You know, it's, it's a plenary meeting. It's a whole body of members. It can be translated different ways. It can be translated a fellowship but also in Acts, a multitude, a congregation, a community. Later on in, in chapter 15, same, same word. It's, uh, in the NIV, it's translated church. Oh, why didn't you just say that? That would have been simpler. You know, we're talking about church. All right. Well, the reason I didn't say it, and uh, you know, who knows why Luke didn't say it, but it's because, once again, for some of us who have already placed our faith in Christ, Church has become etched in our brains as Sunday morning, check. Singing, check, did that. Prayer, check, did that. Bible message, almost check, 
just about done. Potluck, check, done for the week. And for some people who don't know Jesus, church has become like a four-letter word. You know, they've developed an allergy to this thing that they see called church. But we can't just set aside the community of disciples, okay? Because in Scripture, the concept of the autonomous disciple, the just me and Jesus attitude, you know, the, the lone ranger, um, it's just not known in the New Testament. Okay, so we looked at uh, different passages in the Gospel of John. It's, it's interesting, John never uses the word church in his Gospel. It's not there, not even one time. Disciple, 238 times. Whoa, okay, so now we've got an important topic. Better look and see what it says. And it's interesting because so only 20 of those times it's in the singular. You know, so like that's less than 10%. So it's, he's, he's always talking about disciples, plural. Put a big S, put it in, you know, disciples together. And when he uses it in the singular, when it's used in the singular, it usually just means a named disciple. Okay, so Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. Or it can also be, Luke uses it this way, an individual's responsibility to give it all up and die for Christ if he needs to, if he's called to do that. You know, so that individual, but, you know, and, and so we have to be sure, with any Beatles fans? Um, Remember the Beatles? That, that was an old group. Yeah, you, well, you played McCartney bass, you know. So. <laughs> but the Beatles, they had a little-known song, but it was called I, Me, Me, Mine. Okay, I, Me, Me, Mine. And, it, you know, we have to be careful not to live our Christian life according to the Beatles, but according to Jesus. And so our thinking of disciple must become plural, disciples. And I, yes, I as an individual am in community, in relationship, in fellowship with other disciples. And so maybe I can just take uh, John F. Kennedy and paraphrase what he said once. So you, my fellow believers, ask not what your church community of disciples can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church, your community of disciples. My fellow citizens of heaven... Ask not what the world will do for you, but what can we do together for the salvation of mankind, of people? And so the, the disciple thinks not, how can this church contribute to my family, my and my family's betterment? But rather, how can I contribute to this local community of disciples? Now, in doing that, we don't need to worry because, you know, in this, this book we see one another's, love one another, and there, there are over 50 of them, okay? And so it's taking, we'll be taking care of each other, all right? And we know that Jesus is going to take care of his church. He's going to take care of us. So we as disciples, we're in this together. It's, it's a fellowship, and a fellowship is a friendly association with people who share one's interests. Lord of the Rings fans took the ring all together. You know, throw it in the fire. And 
a friendly association with people who share one's interests. It's a community, community of disciples. And so we see this. Luke, he says, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And so that's, that's not prescriptive, all right? It's descriptive. He's, he's just telling us what happened, okay? This is, this is what they did, and here's the rest of it. You know, you can just read that as I talk. But, you know, what we're seeing here, what is prescriptive, I think, is a unified generosity, right? They, they had heart for people. They were going to care for their own, and they were going to be generous with people outside of that, uh, that, that community, outside of that fellowship. Just as the Trinity is unabashedly generous in pouring out God's love on people who do not deserve it, we too want to love others generously just like God loves us. Now, do you know why companies give out free samples? I, was, uh, my, I did my undergrad in, in marketing, Penn State, woohoo. And do um, you know why they give out free samples? Because it, it's, a, it's an extremely expensive marketing approach. Right? Those are the ones who they're confident in their product. And they think, if, if I can only get this person to try our product, she's going to like it. With one heart and soul, this unified community of disciples demonstrated in very concrete ways a very generous love. They, they were like a free sample of what it's like to live as a fellowship of disciples, people who follow Jesus together. Taste and see, because God is good. And so it gave them an opportunity to experience, to feel, to taste, to hear what it was like to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, there's Sunday morning singing and prayer and word and potlucks, and those are all good things. And we have the privilege of following Jesus, not just today, but tomorrow, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It is a privilege to be following Jesus all week long. All right, the, uh, this group of people, near and dear to my heart, the Dijon North Assembly DNA, and it's, it's my family. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, we started a, a church plant about five years ago. It was started by the East Dijon Church that my wife and I helped to, to start. And for the first year, because in France, I mean, people just don't come to Christ quickly, okay? On the average, it actually takes five years, okay? But um, so we thought, well, maybe part of that is just because we're not living the gospel intensely enough. All right, so just take this it's just what we did is, you know, but we decided, okay, for the first year, you know, we're not going to invite anybody to activities, okay? We're, we're just going to, we want to try to live this gospel more intensely. And, you know, we wanted to practice those one another's among ourselves, and we see one another's new commandments I give to you, that you love one another, just as I've loved you. God so loved the world that he gave. And, but we did have a worship celebration, first worship celebration. There are 25 people there, and five of them were unbelievers. 
well, we weren't supposed to invite anybody, so I didn't know if like I should reprimand them. You know, <laughs> why are these unbelievers here? But evidently, there was something attractive about you know these people who were trying to live out this good news and and be this good news, and so we see that. You know, these followers, we place our faith in Christ and we try to be faithful. God gives fruit. You know, we're together in this as a fellowship. And those fellowships start other churches. They're fertile. They bear the fruit of starting new churches. Now, you understand that. Uh, well, in the Acts, we see set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. They were part of the church at Antioch. The Spirit says set them apart and they send them off to start new fellowships. And you understand that because Penn Valley Church, uh, Telford, you know, they, they started a church called New Life. You might not remember that one. Bucksmont, Quakertown, 420, Quakertown's now Imago Dei. Uh, 422, the East Dijon Church started the North Dijon uh, Assembly. Not all of these churches survive, and that's, that's a sad thing. Uh, we just finished up our church plant, and uh, for lots of reasons I can share with you, you know, we decided to merge back into the mother church, all right? 422, didn't survive. That happens, but Journey Church is going strong. It's a good thing. See, these fellowships are, are fertile, and the new churches are born. So what? Let's finish up here. Just recapitulate a bit, summarize a bit, and then have some work for you to do. As communities of disciples, we in Dijon, France, you here in, uh, is this Warrington or is this Hatboro? Warrington, yeah. So, uh, you know, we want to press on to follow Jesus and help people place their faith in Jesus. If you're here and you, you've not done that yet, if you've not trusted that, yeah, I talked to Adam and Adam and Jim and, uh, you know, Dwayne and others because he's really good. Jesus is really good. You want to know him. And to be faithful to him, even when we don't understand what he's doing or we read something in here that we don't understand, we still trust him. He is, Jesus is trustworthy. We want to bear that fruit of love. We want to intentionally Love our sisters and brothers Monday through Saturday, and you can do that on Sundays too. And love the people outside of these walls. Love the people in your neighborhood, at work, family, friends. Concretely demonstrating that love to our unbelieving friends around us. Yeah, individually and collectively. And who knows, maybe one day God will give you the gift of then starting another church similar to Journey. Did we lose the pictures? Yeah, all right, well, that's okay. But, um, you know, together as Christ followers, we're together as a community of disciples. We're a free sample of what it's like to follow Jesus with others attempting to be faithful to Jesus, bearing the fruit of patience, gentleness, and love. Okay, now, this is the uncomfortable moment, okay? So I, I can't tell you how to apply that here. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is to uh, break up into some small groups, 
you know, like maybe five, seven people. And you're only going to have like three minutes to do this. So the timid among you, you don't have to worry about, you know, well, oh, I just don't like these sorts of things. Um, you know, because there won't be enough time for everybody to, uh, to share. But, uh, and then, you know, after in like three minutes, uh, you know, I'm going to ask one person from each group just to share one thing. All right, now here are the questions. Two questions. You have your choice. How am I, so it can be individual, or how is this community of disciples, so Journey Church, showing love to people around you who aren't part of this church? So how am I or how are we showing love to people around us who aren't part of this church? Okay, that's one question. You can take that one or you can take this one. This would be more of a brainstorming question, okay, and no commitments. It's just, you know, sometimes it's, it's nice to, to think. How could I or how could this community of disciples called Journey Church show love to people who are not part of this church? So how could I or how could we show love to people who are not part of this church? See, because in, in that way, so, you know, we become that free sample. God so loved and we love and therefore people can, can taste and that love so they can decide whether they too want to follow Jesus. Okay, do you have the two questions? How do I, how do we show love to people who aren't part of this church? Or how could I or how could we show love to people who aren't part of this church? All right, once again, you have about three minutes. You're going to have to do this super fast. So groups of five, seven people, ready, set, go. Let me pray and then we'll worship him a bit more. So, Lord God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the privilege of following you. And I pray for each and every person uh, in this room that uh, we would follow you and place our faith in you, even when we don't understand what you say or what you're doing, uh, to be faithful to you. I pray that you would bear fruit and that together, uh, as a body here in Dijon, that we would show that love, demonstrate your love to others so that they too might have the joy of knowing you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.